Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Hey friends, I'm feel very grateful that my publisher Hay House is letting me share something extra special with you guys for free. It is the first chapter of my book, The Tapping Solution to Create Lasting Change. It comes out September 4th, but if you're listening to this podcast before then, we have a lot of great pre-launch bonuses, and if you're listening after, we have some great things for you too. So you can go to thetappingsolution.com forward slash change to learn more about the book and all the free bonuses. But the big question is, why would you listen to a first chapter of a book? And not only is it helpful to know whether you'd be interested in learning more, but with just this first chapter, I really begin to break down why change often feels so difficult. When we're going through a life change, either something that has happened to us that we don't feel like we have control over or a change that we want to make, we often have the reaction of feeling frozen, like we don't have control. And that reaction is a very common reaction, and there is a reason why we have that reaction. The moment we begin to better understand why we react to change in a certain way is the moment we can begin to change our relationship with change to find more ease as we navigate through it. This book, and especially this first chapter, is all about helping you gain control and have a better understanding of how you can create change in your life with a lot more ease. Because man, we've pushed and we've criticized ourselves and we try hard, and sometimes all of those things just leave us more stuck and frustrated. I think you're going to love this chapter, and if you do, let me know. Come over to Instagram at Jessica Ortner or check me out on Facebook and let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear from you. Without any further ado, here's the first chapter of The Tapping Solution to Create Lasting Change. The Tapping Solution to Create Lasting Change, a guide to get unstuck and find your flow by Jessica Ortner. To my husband, Lucas, thank you for always leading me out of my head and into my heart. To the reader, I've made some special resources available online to support you. You can find tapping meditation audios and much more at thetappingsolution.com forward slash lasting change. Introduction. As soon as I answered my phone, I felt a mixture of relief and panic. My heart felt lighter just imagining expressing my feelings, but my brain had a different plan. It wanted me to pretend that I was fine, to say that things were busy, but good. Admittedly, from the outside, my life did look good. A few weeks before, my first book, 
the tapping solution for weight loss and body confidence had become a New York Times bestseller. Since the book's release, I'd appeared on television, been interviewed by major magazines, and celebrated by followers, friends, and family. Privately, though, I'd been struggling, overwhelmed by the attention and anxious that I couldn't meet what felt like mounting expectations. As I began speaking into my phone that day, I wasn't sure how much I should say and not say. Thankfully, it was Cheryl Richardson on the other end of the line. In addition to being a self-care expert and a repeat New York Times bestselling author herself, she is one of the most compassionate, caring people I've ever known. Cheryl's soothing, empathetic tone quickly paved the way for an authentic, heart-centered exchange. Before long, the floodgates of my emotions opened, and I voiced the painful truths that I'd been working hard to hide. Of course I was, and still am, overjoyed about becoming a best-selling author. It was an honor and a thrill and an incredible validation that years of hard work were having a positive impact. For weeks, though, I'd been playing the part of the confident first-time author, while inside I felt increasingly unsure of myself. The worst part was that I'd been so busy speaking and doing interviews about the power of tapping that I had unintentionally let my own practice slip. Distracted by my demanding schedule, I'd been inconsistent with the practice that I knew kept me balanced and feeling my best. It felt like a sure sign that I was a phony. I knew better, yet I wasn't following through. As I spoke, my tears flowed easily and abundantly. Then, as only she can do, Cheryl decoded my entire experience. In the most motherly, generous voice, she said, Jess, when you are scared because of something new, you're not adult, Jessica. You're not the resourceful adult who knows how to tap. You're this little girl who is really scared, and that little girl doesn't know how to tap. That scared part of you deserves your own compassion first and foremost. As soon as Cheryl said those words, I exhaled. She had captured my experience so perfectly that my relief was physical as well as emotional. I could suddenly see that I'd been suppressing the mature, resourceful adult I am. Up until that moment, my fear had temporarily caused me to resort to a younger version of myself. Have you ever done that? It's what we often do when we're faced with new circumstances. We expect ourselves to be resourceful and productive when on a deeper level, we're overwhelmed by a primal fear of the unknown. Truthfully, that fear had snuck back into my life. During the months surrounding my book launch, I told myself repeatedly 
that I'd be fine once the book launch was over. It was just my schedule, the constant demands. The problem, I kept telling myself, was my external circumstances. Ironically, during the many months prior to the launch, which I'd spent writing the book, my stress had been around how my book would be received. I wanted, really wanted, the book to be a bestseller. When my book did hit the bestsellers list, my primitive brain found new reasons to freak out. That's what the primitive brain does. It constantly scans your internal and external surroundings to locate new threats and unforeseen dangers. It doesn't kick back and relax once you've reached a goal. Instead, it prods and pokes at your successes and everything else in your life to find the shadow side. Once it finds those dark spots, it rushes in to reveal those findings. That's how it keeps you continuously cycling through what I call the pattern of panic. The primitive brain's tireless search for danger, even in positive developments like reaching a major milestone, is why focusing on external circumstances, love, money, success, and more, as ways to fix our lives, never delivers the peace of mind and flow we hope for. Once Cheryl had given me the space that day to replace my self-judgment with compassion, we spent time tapping together on the phone, processing and releasing everything I'd been feeling. Afterwards, I felt lighter, like a dense weight had been lifted off of me. From that day forward, I resumed my regular tapping meditation practice and made sure to take time each day to connect with my inner self, this time without the panic. Still, though, I had questions. I reached out to friends and colleagues who are also authors. Each of them reassured me that what I was feeling was part of the process. As the weeks turned into months, I found myself repeatedly asking questions like, why do we fear the unknown so intensely that we're willing to shy away from our deepest desires and settle for playing small? Why do we get enthused when we first start something, only to burn out the moment things feel challenging? Why does getting what we want sometimes feel just as scary as not getting what we want? And why, even with new outcomes we desire, do we often struggle to sustain them and instead slip back into old self-sabotaging patterns? Eventually, it became clear that I was exploring our relationship with the one unavoidable constant in life, change. It's a word that evokes many different, often conflicting emotions, fear, excitement, dread, desire, anxiety, longing, frustration, and that's the short list. Overwhelmed by our emotions around change, 
We often react in one of two ways. We may judge ourselves for feeling uneasy around change and decide that our initial fear must mean that we aren't good enough or ready enough to handle the change we're facing. In other words, we turn the challenging emotions we experience around change into a problem. We let our discomfort around change dictate our actions and limit our options. At other times, when we're faced with a change, we rely on willpower and pushing to move through our discomfort. This strategy usually works for a while and may even yield impressive results. Eventually, though, we become exhausted or get distracted and give up. However we react to change, whether it's change that seems beyond our control or change that we consciously create, we become so overwhelmed by the unknown inherent in change that on some level, we freeze. We get stuck in our old limiting response to change. When that happens, we're likely to sabotage even change we desire and set out to create. That's the primitive brain at work, trying to protect us from the intense discomfort we feel around the uncertainty of change. As I continue to explore my deeper experience, I began to realize that our relationship with change doesn't need to be fixed. It needs to be understood. With a fuller understanding of why we react to change in certain ways, we can more easily flow through it instead of becoming so overwhelmed that we get stuck. Much to my surprise, in the months following that phone call with Cheryl, I began to seek out more major changes in my life, pursuing new places to live, as well as new creative, professional, and personal experiences. Through those often surprising, sometimes challenging adventures, I continued my deep dive into the change process, allowing myself to move through the fear, anxiety, and other challenging emotions it evokes. I noticed self-sabotaging patterns that can trip us up and figured out how to navigate through the rough patches instead of getting stuck in them. Through months, then years of trial and error, I discovered what it looks and feels like to flow through change. I figured out how to create positive, lasting change in ways that feel authentic and ultimately empowering as well. What I discovered in the end is both surprising and not surprising at all. That there's profound beauty and joy in change, even when it doesn't initially feel that way. When we can flow through change without resistance or judgment and let ourselves feel the full scope of our emotions, we can have an entirely new experience around change. Steeped in our trust and faith in life, we can navigate the unknown 
that's inherent in change with new energy, inspiration, and open-heartedness. We can create movement in our lives in ways that feel good, even when circumstances don't reflect our previous hopes and expectations. That's the process I guide you through in this book. Rather than judging ourselves for the discomfort that naturally arises around change, we can acknowledge it and flow through it with greater ease and self-acceptance. Using this process, you will gain greater clarity and insight as you begin to create change. While the experience may not always feel entirely comfortable, your discomfort around change will also become less of an obstacle. Through that larger journey, you will rediscover your flow and feel more joy in the ordinary and extraordinary everyday experiences you inevitably have as you create lasting and empowering change. One of several reasons this process is so powerful is its use of tapping, which allows you to more easily move through your emotions. Most of us know how challenging it is to let go of big emotions like fear, anxiety, anger, and more. We tell ourselves that we don't need to be afraid, but on a deeper level, we still are. We reason that it's time to release our anger, yet it's still there, in the body and mind, ready to be triggered when we least expect it. The truth is, I can give you an inspirational quote about why it's your time to realize your deepest desires and create lasting change. I can give you strategies, insights, even shortcuts for moving forward. None of this will matter if you don't address your emotions on a body-mind level. Using tapping, you can reassure the mind-body that you are safe creating the lasting change you desire. With tapping, you can make peace with the fact that change, including manifesting your desires, is unnerving. Instead of judging your emotions, you can feel and release them and create movement that supports your growth and expansion, both internally and externally. It has been an honor and privilege to share this process with hundreds of clients, many of whom have amazed themselves by moving through many different kinds of change, feeling more energized and empowered than they have in a long time. They, like I, discovered how to create change, make it stick, and then manifest better outcomes than they'd previously dared to envision. None of those clients could claim idyllic external circumstances, yet they, like me, were able to create lasting change that felt fulfilling and profoundly authentic to who they are and what they desire. As you begin this journey, you'll notice that each chapter offers a tapping meditation at the end, as well as sample tapping scripts throughout. Each sample script within the various chapters corresponds to a complete 
extended version, which you will find in the appendix. To support you throughout this journey and beyond, I've also included additional bonus scripts in the appendix that are not referred to in the book, but will help you to overcome general yet common stumbling blocks I've observed in myself and in my clients over the years. I hope you'll join me and countless others in creating the kinds of lasting change that allow you to shine your brightest. I've never been more excited to witness your journey. I've never felt so ready to support and applaud the powerful, lasting change you create. Your time is now, and I'm thrilled to be here, taking this journey right alongside you. You can't hate yourself happy. You can't criticize yourself thin. You can't shame yourself wealthy. All change begins with self-love and self-care. Chapter 1. Why We Stay Stuck Around 5,040 days had to pass before I noticed the pattern that was keeping me stuck. That pattern, which I now call the pattern of panic, began when I was 14 years old and just started my first diet. Before long, I was cycling through fad diets, then fad exercise routines, desperate to transform my body. Each time, I'd follow a strict plan and lose some weight. Eventually, though, I'd get exhausted and resort to my old habit of binge eating. Standing in front of the cupboard, consuming entire boxes of healthy bars and nuts, I felt relieved, even empowered. I was rebelling, taking my power back, from a society that seemed ashamed of me for not being a size two. Soon, though, my elation would turn into regret and disappointment. Feeling defeated, i then find a new, even better fad diet, an even more effective fat-burning exercise routine to follow. Each time I cycled through this pattern, I told myself that if I really, really, really wanted to lose weight, then my desperation would be strong enough to make me change. I told myself that I couldn't let up, that I had to be hard on myself. That's what made me a smart, self-aware person. All I needed really was the right plan. I soon became a self-help junkie. I read books and attended seminars feverishly looking for someone to just tell me how to end my struggle. The more I focused on fixing myself, the more flaws I found. The more I read, the more pressure I felt to do things perfectly. My initial struggle was with my body and self-image. Maybe you can relate. Or perhaps you feel stuck when it comes to your finances your relationship status, or your career path. When we are faced with a struggle, something we desperately want to change but isn't, we tend to do one thing, stress. Overwhelmed by my own stress and panic, I grew increasingly disconnected from my own body 
and my own intuition. Surely, I kept telling myself, someone out there has the perfect plan for me. If I just keep looking and keep being hard on myself, I'd finally succeed at transforming my body and then my life. It's what we often do when we're stuck in the pattern of panic. We hold on to that panic, thinking that if we could criticize ourselves enough, then maybe something will change. We try to hate ourselves happy. We try to stress our way to resolution without realizing that very stress is what's keeping us stuck. We then look for solutions outside of ourselves. We search for a fix when what we truly need is to go within. This pattern is a self-perpetuating cycle that continues until we take a deeper look at why our past attempts to get unstuck either haven't worked or haven't proven sustainable. Why we stay stuck. Let's face it, we know when we're stuck. Even when we hesitate to admit it, we can usually tell when we're in a rut. We also know that making some sort of change is the only way out. At some point, we dive headfirst into making the change we're sure we need to make. The problem is, the changes we're making come from a place of panic. We pile extra pressure on ourselves and become even more self-critical. As that panic continues to fuel our critical voice, we say things to ourselves like, get your act together. You should be further along by now. What's wrong with you? Then we write that list of goals, start the diet, or commit to following this or that exercise, budgeting, career, you name it, plan. At first, it may feel invigorating, Already we can see our lives turning around. It's going to be great. Then time goes by and we begin to realize that creating lasting change is harder than we expected. It takes time, patience, perseverance. We get tired. We get resentful, defeated by our lack of tangible progress. Before long, we begin to wonder, Is it really worth it? Truthfully, we still feel stressed, uncertain, and yes, panicked that we actually are as stuck as we feared. Eventually, fatigue and exasperation win, and we revert back to old self-sabotaging patterns. We then find ourselves back in the same cycle, feeling stuck, then panicked desperate for change that we can't seem to create or sustain. Once we've navigated this frustrating cycle repeatedly, we begin to wonder if we'll ever get unstuck. We feel worn down, frustrated, angry. We've gotten used to living in a state of controlled panic, yet we can feel its effects. That underlying panic causes stress, continuously taxing our health, wellness, relationships, even our work and finances. In spite of it all, we somehow manage to hold on to a tiny voice inside us. It's that quiet whisper telling us to keep trying, to keep believing 
that we will get unstuck and rediscover our flow somehow, someday. The question is, how can we get unstuck and rediscover our flow, a state of ease as we navigate change, not just briefly, but in the long term? The answer is the same one we've had all along. We get unstuck by embracing change, but not in the ways we've attempted in the past. To manifest lasting and fulfilling change, we first have to recreate our entire experience around change. We'll begin that process by first understanding the role that the brain plays in keeping us stuck. The brain's safety bias. The primitive human brain was not wired to value change, growth, and flow. Instead, the primitive brain, also called the unconscious brain, is engineered to support survival above all else. As a result, avoiding pain is a far bigger focus than seeking reward or creating pleasure. That may sound limiting, but the brain's singular focus on safety has served us well. After all, it was only a few hundred years ago when day-to-day life revolved almost exclusively around surviving. If you didn't stay alert in the woods or mountains or vast open plains, you could easily end up face-to-face with a startled bear, hungry lion, or venomous snake. Given that this was true for the majority of human existence to date, the brain developed to be more focused on negativity, what could go wrong, be dangerous, and so on, than on positivity, such as what may be beneficial, enjoyable, and so on. Historically speaking, it was the cautious person who walked in fear who was most likely to survive. The unfortunate ones who wandered aimlessly in the wild were far more likely to get eaten. That's why the brain evolved to overestimate threats and underestimate benefits. Studies have even shown that the brain recognizes fear in other people's faces faster than happiness. It's how we're wired. The brain and body on fear. The brain's bias towards negativity quickly impacts the physical body. When we feel emotions like fear, the amygdala, a part of the brain responsible for the survival instincts, essentially sounds an internal alarm. When this happens, the brain instructs the body to start releasing chemicals, including the stress hormone cortisol. As cortisol floods the body, our senses are heightened, making us more alert and better able to run faster, climb higher, and perform other potentially life-saving functions. Since the brain is channeling our energy towards survival, fewer of our internal resources are available for the non-essential functions, such as creativity, complex problem-solving, nurturing, digestion, and more. The entire process, which starts in the brain and quickly spreads throughout the body, is commonly known as the stress response or the fight-or-flight response. 
the primitive brain in a modern world. Throughout most of human history, the primitive brain and the stress response it initiates have proven critical to our individual and collective survival. Today, however, as we navigate daily life protected by thick walls, modern conveniences, and abundant technology, our needs are different. We can spend far more time and energy on thriving and far less on basic survival. Nonetheless, we're still being guided by the same primitive brain we had hundreds of years ago. The truth is, navigating modern life with a primitive brain can be limiting. While it was fantastic that our brains learned to detect that lion creeping in the tall grass after we narrowly escaped the first time, the brain's negativity bias often seems excessive today. As one example, you might not need your primitive brain to prevent you from speaking up in a meeting because you were teased for speaking up in elementary school, but it will. Similarly, you might not want that one poor math grade in middle school to keep you from effectively managing your finances, but again, it will. The primitive brain survival bias is so well honed that every time we have an experience that creates a strong negative emotional response, it creates new neural pathways. Those pathways are a kind of hardwiring that protect us from experiencing those same challenges, like speaking up or doing math again. It's the exact same process that the primitive brain underwent to protect us from that lion creeping through the tall grass. The question is, are those experiences equal? Is being teased for speaking up in elementary school as dangerous as being surprised by a hungry lion? Of course not. Unfortunately, the primitive brain can't tell the difference. Why change feels so hard? So how does this safety bias affect us when we're trying to get unstuck? The primitive brain's bias comes into play when we try to create the change that's necessary to get unstuck. That's because, according to the primitive brain, change is unsafe. This blanket bias against change may seem counterintuitive when we're talking about positive change that can help us get unstuck. However, this is the primitive brain we're talking about. Its programming is basic and primal, so it doesn't differentiate between positive and negative change. By definition, change means uncertainty, and by default, uncertainty is unsafe. As far as the primitive brain is concerned, the fact that a known experience such as being stuck has not interfered with survival is sufficient evidence to categorize it as safe. In other words, across the board, the brain prefers the certainty of your current experience, which it sees as safe simply because you're still alive, over the uncertainty of change, which it sees as unsafe simply because it's unknown. That's why change feels so hard because the brain and body are working against us 
when we most need their support. When we attempt to grow, expand, and evolve, the primitive brain rushes in to protect us from potential new threats. It fires off warning signals, telling the brain and body that we are unsafe. That's how the pattern of panic works. Unfortunately, getting out of the pattern of panic can be challenging, since our panic registers on emotional, mental, and physical levels, we can't simply talk ourselves out of it. Tapping into the primitive brain. The good news is we have a 24-7 access to a powerful resource for rewiring the primitive brain, the body. Multiple studies have used high-resolution MRI scans to observe specific points on the body called acupoints. These points act like gateways to the primitive brain. By tapping on these points while processing and releasing our negative emotions and limiting beliefs, as we do when we're tapping, we can send the primitive brain positive, calming messages. One of the most exciting aspects of tapping is that it's a simple practice that anyone can use. Once you know tapping, you always have a tool to support you through times of stress. It is incredibly self-empowering. Want more research? If you're interested in reading more about the dozens of other studies that have been demonstrating how effective tapping is for a wide range of disorders and conditions, you can visit thetappingsolution.com forward slash science dash research. Or check out my brother Nick Ortner's New York Times bestselling book, The Tapping Solution, A Revolutionary System for Stress-Free Living. Where Lasting Change Begins I had been tapping for over a year when I finally began using it to address the pattern of panic that had kept me stuck since my first diet at age 14. The turning point began one day when I was attending a conference after my brother and I had released the Tapping Solution documentary film. By that point, I'd done online interviews and tapping meditations, and we'd begun to attract an online audience. Before the event began, the volunteer who was registering me shared how much she'd gotten from my tapping videos, and then said something I'll never forget. You're bigger than I thought you'd be. I smiled, hoping she wasn't noticing the shame rising up through my throat, burning my cheeks a molten red. In that single moment, she confirmed every fear I'd ever had. As far as my primitive brain was concerned, she just told me that I wasn't good enough to be seen and wouldn't be until I lost weight. In a state of shock, I walked over to my brother Nick and told him what had happened. After commenting on how rude that was, he very gently said, You've been struggling with this for a long time, and it's obviously causing you a lot of emotional pain. Why don't you try tapping? To be honest, even though I had seen over and over again the power of tapping, my first reaction was to roll my eyes. I was still so brainwashed to believe weight loss was only about our ability to push hard and stick with a diet. We live in a society that tells us that lasting change only happens when we push hard enough for it. Later that evening, though, I let his words sink in and realized 
he had a good point. I was tired. Tired of trying so hard and nothing working. I was tired of how much my insecurities consumed my thoughts and of being disappointed after each new plan failed to produce the lasting change I desired. I had an honest conversation with myself and I realized the panic, worry, and brute force I was trying to use to change just wasn't working. In the days and weeks that followed, as I used tapping to address my relationship with food and my body, I discovered something that surprised me. My problem wasn't binge eating or the size or shape of my body. It was how I'd been treating myself. It was the decade plus I'd spent trying to hate myself happy. Instead of focusing my tapping exclusively on binge eating and getting motivated to exercise, my attention began to turn towards self-love and self-acceptance. Before long, I began to feel more at ease in my body than I had in many years. A month later, I'd lost 10 pounds without dieting or depriving myself. I felt calmer, more confident and empowered around food than I ever had. I was also exercising, but in pleasurable, enjoyable ways. I was making changes that brought me peace, joy, and ease. Thanks to tapping, I discovered my flow around my body, food, and exercise. My entire life did begin to feel different, but not because I was a size two, I wasn't. My circumstances, my career, finances, and love life were still far from perfect, but I felt more at peace than I had in a very long time. As weeks turned into months, I realized my primitive brain safety bias had prevented me from feeling good in my own skin. For years, I told myself that losing weight was the key to being seen in my career, relationships, and beyond. For years, I told myself that once I'd lost weight, I could speak my mind and be myself. While the conscious brain might have found that exciting and liberating to my primitive brain, the additional exposure was threatening. To keep me safe, my primitive brain wanted and needed me to continue binge eating so I didn't venture into new and unknown territory where I might get hurt. With tapping, I was able to release my limiting beliefs and deep-seated fears. I was able to reassure my primitive brain that I was safe being seen. As I began to transform my inner life, releasing anxiety, fear, and emotions in the process, I easily found my flow. Because I used tapping to shed my panic, I could get in touch with myself on a deeper level and move forward in positive, empowering ways. Although my primitive brain is still hard at work, often pointing out new reasons for me to feel afraid, now that I understand what it's up to, I can regain my calm without resorting to self-sabotaging behaviors. The power of joy. When you imagine embracing the unknown and celebrating change, do you feel excited, even energized? How then do you feel when that uncertainty and change enter your life in real, tangible terms, 
in the form of a sudden job change or a shift in relationship, finances, family, health, or something similar? Do you dive into real life challenges with change or do you hesitate, whether by delaying decision-making, procrastinating, worrying excessively, or something else? Let's face it, change and uncertainty are fun in theory, but often scary when they enter our daily lives. Now that you know that the anxiety you feel around change and the unknown is just the primitive brain tainting your relationship with change, stop for a second and try to imagine what tangible, real-life change might feel like without the panic. Could creating change in order to get unstuck be a source of joy? Could it boost your creativity, abundance, even love? Could making changes be uplifting and inspiring even when things don't go exactly as planned? The first step in recreating your experience around change is noticing how and where you experience panic in your body. When you focus on feeling stuck, do you feel tightness in your chest? a knot in your stomach, pain in your back, neck, or elsewhere? Do you feel sensations like hot or cold, buzzing or throbbing? If so, where in your body do you feel them? As you begin to notice how panic manifests in your body, keep in mind that panic doesn't always feel frantic or frenetic. Most of us have gotten used to absorbing our panic, so it can show up in the body as dull, persistent, numb, or even heavy or slow feelings. As you move forward, continue to notice when and how panic shows up in your body. That new awareness will be enormously helpful as you continue to break out of the pattern of panic. First, though, we'll look at where we're going by considering what flow is and what flow isn't. Time for the end of chapter tapping meditation. It's time to use tapping to begin quieting the pattern of panic. Before moving on to the next chapter, use the chapter one tapping meditation that follows. If you're new to tapping, first refer to the tapping quick start guide. Chapter one, tapping meditation, quieting the panic. Close your eyes for a moment and focus your attention on feeling stuck. As you do that, mentally scan your body. Notice any sensations you feel. These are likely ways that your body is absorbing panic. Does the word panic not resonate with you? Maybe it shows up as frustration or anger. Use the words that most resonate. Focus on where in your body you feel the panic most intensely. Rate the intensity of the panic on a scale from 0 to 10, 10 being the highest intensity you can imagine. With a panic in mind, let's start tapping. As you tap through the rounds, feel free to substitute words that reflect your experience. Also be aware of how your experience shifts during and after tapping. Let's begin by taking a deep breath. Inhale, 
and exhale. Tapping on the karate chop point, repeat after me. Even though I have all of this panic in my body when I think about needing to make a change, I accept myself and how I feel. We're going to say that two more times. Even though I have all this panic in my body when I think about needing to make a change, I accept myself and how I feel. Even though I have all this panic in my body when I think about needing to make a change, I accept myself and how I feel. Now tapping on the eyebrow point, we're going to give a voice to this panic. So simply tap and repeat after me. Eyebrow, this panic. Side of eye, it's in my body. Under eye, I can feel it. Under nose, I feel it in, and just name the body part. Where do you feel that panic? Under mouth. It feels like, go ahead and describe what the panic feels like. Collarbone, this panic. Underarm, it's in my body. Top of head, I feel it. Eyebrow, this panic. Side of eye, it's overwhelming. Under eye, it's been with me for so long. Under nose, something has to change. Under mouth, I've been trying for so long. Collarbone, and nothing seems to work. Underarm, so I feel all this worry. Top of head, all this frustration. Eyebrow, this panic in my body. Side of eye, part of me wants to let it go. Under eye, 
Another part of me wants to hold on to it. Under nose, because I have to worry. Under mouth, and panic. Collarbone, to make a change. Underarm, that's what I've been taught. Top of the head, is that really true? Eyebrow, I honor how hard this has been. Side of eye, it's safe to feel this panic. Under eye, even though I just want it to go away. Under nose, I can let myself feel this panic. Under mouth, it's safe to feel this panic. Collarbone, I don't have to fight it. Underarm, I honor how I feel. Top of head, it's safe to feel this. Eyebrow, I can begin to let go of this panic. Side of eye, I can let myself relax now. Under eye, and let go of this panic. Under nose, I'm safe without this panic. Under mouth, I don't need this panic to stay safe. Collarbone, I can let it go now. Underarm, I can feel calm in my body. Top of head, I can trust that I'm safe. Eyebrow, I'm safe without this panic. Side of eye, I can feel quiet and relaxed now. Under eye, I can let my body rest. Under nose, and let my body feel better. Under mouth, releasing this panic now.
collarbone, relaxing in this moment. Underarm, I'm safe. Top of head, I can relax now. Eyebrow, I can feel good in this moment. Side of eye, things don't have to be perfect. Under eye, for me to relax and feel calmer. Under nose, I can feel peace in my mind. Under mouth, and peace in my heart. Collarbone, peace in my body. Underarm, I'm safe. Top of head, I can relax now. Eyebrow, I can trust this good feeling. Side of eye, and let myself feel peaceful now. Under eye, I can let my body rest. Under nose, and let myself feel better. Under mouth, relaxing in this moment. Collarbone, feeling calm now. Underarm, letting my body and mind relax. Top of the head, feeling at peace now. Take a deep breath and check in with yourself. How has the panic you felt in your body shifted? Rate the intensity on a scale from 0 to 10. Quick note, if your panicked feeling has shifted, either in sensation from tightness to tingling, for example, or to a new spot in your body, Continue tapping until you feel peaceful. Keep tapping as long as you'd like.